Hey, funny people. Thanks for joining me here on this episode of Four Cents of Podcast. We're going to have some fun because I've got something to talk about. So stay tuned. Funny people, and welcome once again to Four Cents a Podcast. I am your host, Ian Martinez Kastmeyer. First of all, before I get into what I really want to talk about today, I hope everyone who has uh, listened to the first Poetry Spotlight episode of The Reader's Corner on Linda Hogan, I hope you all have enjoyed that, and I hope you're looking forward to the next three episodes that are that are set to come out over the course of this month. Remember, tune in every single Wednesday and you'll get a new one. Um, But now on to the real reason why I'm talking to you today. Yet again, I am set to be involved with a new anthology of short stories that is going to come out, but slightly different compared to the other anthologies that I've been a part of. Once again, we are under the editorship of Rene Gendron, and... There, uh, by we, I mean me and my seven cohorts. And we are all set to publish what Renee is calling romantic science fiction stories. I don't necessarily think that my story is particularly romantic, although it does have an element of love in it, as the other stories I've written had, uh, have had. Um, but this anthology is slightly different, as I said. The reason why it's slightly different is that it's actually set to be a flagship title of a new small press that is the brainchild of D.W. Hintz, both one of the contributing authors to the anthology and arguably the editor-in-chief and publisher of this book. Um, the small press in question is called Fedoir Press. Some of you may, who, th- those of you listening to this who have kept up with the blog might have noticed that last week I published an interview that I did with uh, Dustin, as I call him, uh, over how he created Fedoir Press, why he founded it. So I thought I'd give you just a little bit of information about that, because believe it or not, I've gotten a recent inquiry from a fellow indie author who um, was wondering about Fedoir. Uh, Fedoir was originally founded in November of 2020, so it's not that old of a publication or that old of an imprint. But it was founded by Dustin, as he says in that interview, as a way of getting his own work out into the world. Uh, This is a very respectable, has a long tradition in the history of literature, for those of you who don't know. Virginia Woolf's husband, for example, founded a special publishing house specifically to publish Virginia's work when a life in hectic London became a little bit too much for her given her mental condition. And so many of her later masterpieces were published through that publishing house. Uh, Mark Twain famously had his own publishing house as well, uh, which produced, among other things, the memoirs of Ulysses S. Grant. So Dustin, the reason why he he created this press is partly because he himself is not quite an indie author, but he is an author who specializes in stories where genres are very blatantly blended together, Uh, cross-genre, mixing genre, 
which again is something that's um, becoming more and more common. I've always believed that the genres are actually much more porous than people give them credit for, especially people who are hardcore science fiction fans. Um, after all, uh, in the past, uh, say almost a century ago, during the heyday of the pulp magazines, every single author wrote pretty much everything. You know, if you look at the back catalog of stories that were published by authors like, say, Ray Bradbury or L. Ron Hubbard, you'll find stories in virtually every single genre you can imagine, from horror to crime fiction of a sort, to ghost stories, to science fiction, to fantasy, to even realistic stories. Um, you know, it's only been in the more recent times that genre has become slightly more of a static thing, mainly because of marketing convenience. You know, where books go in a bookstore. But of course, in our era where people can shop online, you can tag a book as being, as belonging to more than one genre. It's not as uh, limited as it used to be, because of course back in the old days, books could only go in one place in the bookstore, and that place was usually wherever they sold best. And Sometimes authors, in particular, got to sort of pigeonholed in one particular genre. But anyway, Dustin founded Fedoir as a way of not only getting his own work out there, which he found, as he says in the interview, very difficult to uh, sell to agents because agents have, uh, you know, they, they don't they don't eat unless they sell. So uh, would they they. His particular brand of storytelling was very difficult to sell to a traditional publisher, at least at the beginning, and it's, and so he created Fedoir as a way of getting his own work out there. But he ha actually had previously worked with us uh, as a member of the original Beneath the Twin Suns anthology. He was one of the contributors to that, to that collection, and now he's taking up the reins as editor-in-chief of this anthology. And... Um, I have to say, the experience thus far, with maybe one minor hiccup, but we won't go into that, uh, has been incredible because it's given me my first true insight into what it's like to be a, a professional published author, uh, even with a, a small press like Fedoir. So it is a legitimate press um, if, to begin with. Now let me tell you a little bit about uh, a little bit about the book. The book is set to be t st uh, titled Starcrossed. Starcrossed because uh, it it's it's a in a way it's a it's a multi-genre double pun. <laughs> it's a multi-genre double pun, which is apropos considering the, uh, the 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 publisher and considering the publishing house. But it, you know, Starcrossed, we have the phrase Starcrossed lovers and on the other hand, all the stories are science fiction and science fiction some of it takes place in space. So there you go. It's a it's a it's it's a it's a wonderful name uh, that that is so simple and yet is so apt considering the book. Um, as I normally do whenever I talk about my story writing experience, I also tend to talk about how I came to write the story that's included in this particular book. And I have to say, this was yet again another sort of novel experience. First of all, when Renee came to us and said if you, we it requested if any of us would want to be a part of this book, she I mean, the deal was incredibly sweet. 
first of all, we were writing science fiction, which is a genre that I consider to be part of my wheelhouse. It's something that I'm very comfortable writing in, provided I'm writing in a particular vein of science fiction that um, I feel capable of handling. Uh, I'm not an author of hard SF. I don't have the uh, brain power, really, to... Uh, or interest in getting some of the science accurate. I'd rather make it all up. <laughs> maybe it's a, maybe it's a sense of laziness. I don't know. Um, but so I got a chance to write a kind of space opera story for this piece. Um, obviously, considering it's Renee, uh, she wanted us to include a romantic element that could play that could be a periphery to a per, periphery aspect of the story. In my case, that's what I usually tend to do. Um, some others, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's a much more upfront element to the story and plays a much more crucial role. Um, but the biggest part of the, why I considered the deal, the opportunity to be a part of this anthology, such a sweet deal, was the word count limit. We all had 10,000 words to work with. Now, I don't know how many of you know how long 10,000 words is. 10,000 words... If you go by what we writers call standard manuscript format, amounts to about 40 pages or more, depending on how, depending on what kind of font you use. Uh, so you know, compared to say 1500 for you know for for Beneath the Twin Suns and 3000 for In the Red Room. This was a, a smorgasbord because we were going to be able to flex our muscles. We were going to be able to not just write short stories. We were going to be able to write what's called novelettes, long short stories, which meant that we could, you know, expand our canvas just a little bit. You know, no longer were we being limited to just a few scenes or one scene or one sequence. We were actually going to be able to tell a pretty decent sized story. Uh, with, with that kind of word count, and I took full advantage of it, as I'm sure all my colleagues did. So, uh, what did that lead to? Well, let me tell you a little bit about the story. This story, believe it or not, um, the story in, in, in this collection that I contributed is a piece called Slow Recovery. And um, it was an interesting story to write, but its origins actually predate this anthology. A few months back, I uh, did something that I don't typically do, which is I wrote something on my phone. I don't like writing on my phone. It's just a, I have sausage fingers because I have, a, I guess you could call workman's hands. You know, they're, they're thick. They're, they're you know, they thick fingers, large hands. Do not make, you know, good typing fingers when you're using a smartphone. I much prefer a keyboard or, if I can, write by hand. Um, but I wrote something on my phone because I didn't have pen or, you know, paper anywhere near me, and I wasn't at my computer when I wrote this, so I wrote um, a handful of lines. One of my favorite things to write uh, out of any story, every single time I write it, is I love writing beginnings. I love writing opening lines. I think I've gotten pretty good at doing that in the last few years, writing opening lines that make you want to read the story, or at least read the next paragraph to see what happens. Um, and so I wrote a handful of opening lines to this story, and 
the thing of it is, is that I, I stopped after that, because it was really kind of a writing exercise at that point. I didn't write the whole story. I just wrote a little bit of it. And I just kind of left it at that. And, and then I, I came back to it a few months later, after Renee had made the offer of being able to do this and being part of this. And I looked at the qualifications. I looked at the things that she wanted us to do. I looked at what she desired as far as uh, our stories. And I realized that I had a pretty good makeshift story, or the pretty good makings of, of the beginning of a story that I could then integrate, you know, her limited qualifications, you know, wanting the romantic element. I could weave that in, and with that word count, I could still tell a, a complete and total story. Um, and I, I knew that this story was going to be kind of space opera-y in, in general. That's the kind of science fiction that I enjoy writing most of all, because it's the freest, in my opinion. It's the closest that science fiction can really get to my main genre of fantasy. And so when you're playing within that, you can kind of, you can, you can tell human stories, you can tell emotional stories, but you can do it with such a broad canvas that you don't have to worry about, you know, people getting nitpicky over the fact that you don't talk about how gravity affects the characters. <laughs> so the, these were the lines that I originally wrote uh, for this story. They changed ever so slightly uh, when, I, when I finally got to writing the, the piece. And they changed in revision and rewriting, because of course writing is always rewriting. But here's, here's where it began. When Warner woke, he couldn't recall how he'd ended up in the Starship Medical Bay. His vision was somewhat unfocused and his head throbbed. A concussion, most likely, so he didn't sit up. Something else seemed off-kilter as well. A dull, stinging coming from his right arm. He lifted it over his head, and his heartbeat broke into a sprint. A cast encased his whole arm below the elbow, everything but his missing forefinger and thumb. What in the galaxy had happened to him? So that's where it began. That's what I started with. And, of course, it, it does, I think, as an opener, it does something uh, that all good openers should do, which is raise questions. Bag questions of the reader. That's really what you should do. Introduce the character, the setting, and the conundrum all at once, while also forcing the reader to ask questions about what's going on. And, you know, it's a central question at the heart of this story. When I wrote through Slow Recovery, I have to say, I wrote it sequentially, and I was able to do something that I also managed to do in my piece for In the Red Room, which was uh, integrate flashbacks into the story. Flashbacks are very, very difficult to work into a piece of short fiction because it's short. And usually flashbacks are considered to be superfluous, you know, all that background information. It's usually considered just something that uh, adds lethargy to otherwise what could have been a fast-paced story. But the thing about slow recovery is that 
the whole point of the story is Juan's recovering of his memory. Good portion of it. That's kind of the main, the central plot device that keeps the story going. So every time he has a flashback, um, which are sensory oriented, he always, some kind of external stimulus that reminds him of something jogs his memory and all of a sudden he's back to where he was. He relives something and the reader experiences it with him. Uh, And that's kind of what Juan wants. He wants to be able to recover his memory. That's the initial thrust of the story. And that was the initial thrust all the way through the first draft. And then something happened. I finished the first draft. I was, of course, a a week behind deadline, uh, which I'm not proud of, but it happened. Uh, And I happened to send a copy of it to one of my dear friends, a very trusted first reader, my my friend Diane Callahan, who I think I've talked about before on this podcast. Uh, You know, she's a great uh, YouTuber, has her own YouTube channel, The Quotidian Writer, great writing advice, very comprehensive and thorough, exhaustively comprehensive, as my friend uh, Sam Weller once said. And... She gave me uh, one little piece of insight that completely changed the story for me. It changed the story and added a completely new layer. Her biggest criticism of the first draft of the story was the fact that my central character, uh, uh, you know, the the character you meet in those paragraphs, Juan, uh, a medical professional himself, I decided that he was going to be a doctor uh, that had somehow gotten injured and he can't remember what's going on. The problem is, is that that's kind of all he was. He was window dressing. He was a, a that, that most repugnant of things that I absolutely hate in the protagonist, which is he was a game piece uh, that I moved throughout the story. He has this objective, but there's not much else there. Um, he has this objective, and he also has a romantic interest in the story. His wife of ten years up to that point, and there was a lot missing from his character and one tiny little note from Diane completely made me change that I wanted to strengthen Juan's character um, which is kind of ironic because he's he's pretty much an invalid throughout most of the story I mean he's in a futuristic wheelchair he's lost um, the function of his right hand pretty much Um, He gets this piece of futuristic uh, fictional technology attached to his arm. I call it an axolot rig. Um, After axolotl, the the cute little Mexican salamander uh, that apparently has the ability to regrow any limb. Uh Ha-ha! You know, that's my herpetology uh, pedigree coming into play. (laughs) Me just being a total nerd. but he was kind. Of, but he was kind of an invalid in, in a lot of other ways. But he was also kind of indifferent and passive, to a degree. But the biggest piece of of uh, annoying uh, criticism that Diane gave me was just a, a, a kind of an offhand comment that she made, embedded in another comment, which was 
that she thought of him, because there is an alien incursion that occurs in this story, a clash between humanoid aliens and people. I know a lot of people don't like humanoid aliens. I like humanoid aliens. Go away if you don't like them. <laughs> uh, it was this, um, this sense that what I had written was a classic science fiction imperialist. But more than anything, he was an ambivalent imperialist. And that really freaked me out that I had written a character that uh, caused that kind of response in somebody. And so the, the thing that I did when I went back to rewrite is, first of all, I completely... Um, I added an extra layer of conflict to this story. An extra layer of conflict beyond the... Uh, beyond the, the, the initial conflict of Juan not being able to remember anything, of being kind of out of the loop. And what I wanted to make him was a, was, I guess, I think I used the phrase in the, in the story, um, a pluralist. Because the, the central conflict at the heart of the story, um, which you can read, by the way, at some point. But the central conflict at the heart of the story is this clash between humans and alien, and specifically over territory and whether or not cohabitation is possible. And that was something that grew out of that because I wanted Juan to be somebody who believed in that. As a doctor, as a medical doctor, I felt that he was somebody who would believe in the, not necessarily the sanctity of life, although that's the phrase that it, comes to mind almost immediately. The sanctity in all sentient life and all life in general. You know, as a medical professional, his, you know, and a Hippocratic, a holder of the Hippocratic Oath, you know, do no harm. He firmly believes that. You know, it comes out of who he is. So, I added that to the story, and it completely changed the story. It also made it significantly longer, about, by about, uh, roughly about 2,000 words. Um, I sent another draft to Diane, and she saw the word count and how much bigger it had gotten, and she feared that my that her comments had done something terrible to my story, <laughs> which I found absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, you know, and, and by the way, two thousand words for me—that's nothing in terms of adding stuff, especially when it's stuff of material of substance. Um, I think the you know the added words uh, added stuff to the piece. So and also in the end, I started doing some pruning and eventually got it down to a, a little bit less than that. But so it, it it was a very fascinating exercise in revision, being able to go through that and hopefully make the story better. Whether or not it is better um, from the first draft, I I don't know because this is the this is the draft that's going to go out into the world as a part of Starcrossed. This is the draft, this is the, the book that's going to go out there, and this is the book that, the story, the version of the story that people will read. The only thing I was slightly disappointed about was the, was the title, Slow Recovery. I used it, it's a phrase that appears, I think, all of once in the story. But I think, looking at the, at the title now, um, I was initially dissatisfied with it, but I think it's a story, I think as a, as a title, it works for the story on maybe three different levels. Uh, if you're 
nerdy enough and you have a kind of analytical mind like I do, you might be able to find it out, uh, figure out why, why I think that. But anyway, it's going to appear in this book, in Starcrossed. It's going to be part of a flagship book for a brand new press. It's very rare that you get an opportunity to be on the ground floor of anything these days. Um, so that's exciting. And I'm happy to have this story out into the world. And I think it's... On some levels, I think it's one of the best pieces I've written. But of course, all writers, we, we assume that the next piece that we write or the most recent piece that we've written is the best thing we've done so far. But I do hope that everyone who reads it will enjoy it. Uh, one upside is that you can actually go right now to Amazon.com and buy, uh, pre-order it actually. It's available for pre-order both as an ebook and I believe it will eventually be available at least in paperback. Considering Fedor, I'm not entirely sure if it'll be available in hardback. I would love it if it were. Because uh, <laughs> that would be amazing, being able to put that on my shelf. Uh, but uh, I, I do hope that everyone not only enjoys my story, but enjoys the stories of all my colleagues. Because we really worked hard on this. We really worked hard on this book. I actually had to look over proofs extensively over and over again for this book. And as a dyslexic, that is not an easy thing for me to do, to go through and find all the stupid little mistakes that either I made in the manuscript or that the printer may have made uh, when, when we were compiling this book to try and get it together, to try and make it look presentable and professional. But I did my best, and I think we all did our best when we wrote this story, when we wrote our stories for this book. And I think it's going to be one of... I hope it's one of the most successful things that uh, Fedor does, at least right now, in its fledgling months. Um, so yes, please be on the lookout for Starcrossed from Fedor Press, and I really do hope you enjoy not only my story, Slow Recovery, but all the other stories contained within its pages. Hey, funny people. Thanks for spending some time with me here on Four Cents a Podcast. Until next we meet, stay safe, stay healthy, and bear in mind the words of the great poet Langston Hughes, Folks, birthing is hard, and dying is mean. So get yourself a little lovin' in between. I'll see you next time. <laughs>